This is Friends After 5, a podcast featuring two co-workers who will hop on this podcast after five as friends. We share our experiences as third culture kids while highlighting voices amongst our fellow Asians and people of color. Welcome back to another episode of Friends After Five. Yay! Steph, do you have any updates for this week? I don't have that many updates. I will say I did finish my class that I've been taking for the certificate program that I've been working on. Nice. Congratulations. Thank you. And it just like kind of feels good not to have to like procrastinate on something until Sunday, like the day (laughs) when it's due. I'm like, finally, like this week I can just relax and, you know, do me. Yeah. Wait, what certificate is it for again? Uh, It's clinical trials. It's through UCI, like the continuing education program. Mm -hmm. So you're done, done? So you're going to get this? No, 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 no. I still have. But okay, the next class that I'm taking on, clinical data management, which is like your expertise. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's totally up my alley. Allegedly. I might be asking you questions. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'll try to help out if I can, but no guarantees. <laughs> I'm excited. I'm excited for you. Do you know how long the class is going to be? Yeah, each class is usually 10 weeks. Oh, dang. Three months. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's a lot. But it, it flies by. Yeah, that's a lot of stressful Sundays, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm starting to get better though. Like my therapist is just like, anytime you feel yourself procrastinating, just tell yourself you deserve happiness. And that's something that I've been trying to implement. And last week I was able to finish my like finals, I guess, if you would like to call it that, like before Sunday afternoon. And I like actually got to enjoy wow. the rest of my Sunday. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, isn't it? I procrastinate all the time too, especially when we edit the podcast. Yes, guys, we do edit the podcast. It's not one straight shot of us talking, but I'm very, we're very flattered that some of you have thought that. But I do edit the podcast maybe Sunday night and we upload Tuesday. So it's like four hours of just straight editing and stress. Oh, no, me too. I feel like I feel more stressed when I'm not working on it than when I am. Because like when I am, exactly. I'm like, it's not terrible. Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly how I feel every time. Every time I'm like, it's the weekend and I'm like, I gotta edit the podcast, but I'll do it Sunday night. And then everything prior to that is just stressed out and has like a, a taint of stress to it because I still have something to do afterwards. Yeah, that's exactly. Yeah. And then when I'm editing, I'm like, this is not even that bad. Like, why? Was yeah, I like, I should have done this a long time ago. Like, why yeah. was I just, I don't know. I like watch TV or like, sometimes I'll read, but I'm like, why was I doing that when I could have been like, you know, getting this done? Yeah. So if any of you have tips on how to stop procrastinating. Let us know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we need help. <laughs> Anyways, how was your week, Tina? My week was good. I actually, due to your influence, Dev, I actually scheduled my first therapy session with a therapist <gasps> for next what? week. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So I know I've been looking into doing therapy for a while now, but I just never 
um, bit the bullet. And I know, Steph, you always mention therapy in a lot of our episodes. I was really inspired and influenced by how much you've learned and grown from your therapy sessions, how you handled situations that maybe in the past weren't handled in the best way. But (laughs) through therapy and through counseling, you've grown a lot from it and you were able to communicate with your partner how better how to better navigate the situation. So right. I know there's aspects of myself that I struggle with. A lot of it has to do with self-esteem issues, I think. So I really want to talk it out with the, with a professional and try to change that narrative that I have in my head because I do sometimes default to the worst case scenario when mm-hmm. really I don't need to. And sometimes it can cause fights or disagreements and I don't want to do that to other people either. <laughs> You might know what I'm talking about, Steph. (laughs) A little bit. (laughs) Yeah, so I'm really excited. Our first session is next week. So I will keep everyone updated. That's so awesome. I'm so proud of you. I feel like it's, it can be like kind of daunting when you're like, okay, like I need to do this thing and I just like have to do it and I'll be fine. But it's like, I think it's like the pre like before you actually like start making the steps like start looking up a therapist in your network or like start you know kind of searching and it can be a little bit discouraging because I know sometimes like you'll look therapist up and you're like oh I really like this person but she's like full or I don't know if you had that experience like calling in and then people being full but it it will work out for you like in the end you know and sometimes you gotta therapy shop a little bit but it's it's just like starting it I'm just so proud of you Thanks, Steph. Yeah, unfortunately, I was able to uh, find one and she was she was not full and we were able to get one scheduled quickly. So I was um, fortunate in that sense. But like you said, I, if you know, if it doesn't work out with this therapist, I may need to shop around, look for another one that may better accommodate to my needs. But so far, she seems super, super nice. And, and I'm and I'm excited for the future. (laughs) And hopefully a better, you know, mindset (laughs) that's awesome I love it yeah thanks Steph you were definitely a big part of why I decided to really go for it instead of just like looking for a therapist and just like leaving their page open and not really contacting them just shopping around constantly and not really actually purchasing anything yeah so I am yeah so I'm excited and hopefully we'll also have you know also be able to share um, inspirational stories like stuff has <laughs> or like somewhat inspirational <laughs> still working through some stuff in my life <laughs> no yeah for sure we're all works in progress and just trying to always grow and develop and learn and that's all we can ask for yeah I agree I agree so today we're gonna be diving into body positivity We will be talking about how media, friends, and family can affect our body image and also disclosing tips slash tricks on how to love your body just as is. So first question goes to Tina. How did um, your family affect your body image growing up? Okay, so growing up in an Asian household, I think that definitely contributed to my body image growing up just because, as you may or may not know, Asians are definitely known to be brutally honest, especially when it comes to how you look like. I know that they don't mean any 
ill will by it. They don't mean to be mean, but it can come off a little bit mean and rude. So with that being said, I think growing up, I always heard that I was big boned. I was never called fat per se by my family. (laughs) Wait, are you serious? Yeah. So my whole life and still now I have, I do think I'm big boned or bigger boned. Like, I mean, compared to, I guess, other Asian bodies. Interesting. Big boned. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. This is what I grew up hearing my whole life. So okay. 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 Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, at least they never called me fat. I mean, maybe certain periods, when I may may have been a little bit bigger, they called me fat. But for the most part, they just called me big boned. Um, and again, I know they didn't mean any harm by that. But that's just like them being honest about how you look like and like how how you are. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So that's something I grew up with. And I kind of internalized that thinking like, oh, I'm like this big boned Asian girl and I'm like bigger than the standard Asian female body in terms of my self-confidence and all of that I think when I was younger especially in high school when you're a lot more vulnerable to criticism I think that definitely did take a toll on my self-confidence and comparing myself to my friends who were definitely skinnier smaller smaller boned (laughs) I don't even think well, first of all, Tina, you're tall. Like you're okay, you're like five four, right? I'm like five three and a half, yeah. So, so I'm definitely yeah. taller than most of my girlfriends. Yeah, so exactly. So I looked it up and the average American woman is like five four. And I think in Asia it's like a lot shorter. First of all, you're just taller, so that leads to like you're not like this petite tiny person. You yeah. can fit in normal clothes. Yeah. You don't have to shop at the short section. Like I would love to be like quote unquote big bone if that meant I was taller. Oh, that's so sweet stuff. Yeah, I mean clothes pretty much fit me. I don't I don't really have a problem shopping or anything. Must be nice. Must be nice. I mean, not that it's wrong to, you know, be a smaller size or anything, but it's just, you know, when you grow up hearing that you're bigger, then of course, the natural inclination is to want to be smaller. Right. So that's just something I kind of grew up with, internalized, and I'm slowly learning to let go of that, but it's, so I know as I've grown older, I've definitely grown more confident in my body, but also my personality, just myself in general. So I have learned to kind of let that negative self-image go. But, you know, at times it's still detrimental or it still kind of is in the back of your head. Yeah. It's hard to let go if it's something that you're told by people you care about or like if you yourself like even kind of bought into that. Yeah. What about you, Steph? Did your family affect your body image growing up? <laughs> Mine is like a little bit different of a story, but when I was young, I was always like really, really skinny and also short. <laughs> and I did not like eating food. So <laughs> oh. I oh, hated food. Different. Very different. Because now you love to eat food. Yeah, now I love it because unfortunately, yeah, I mean, not unfortunately, but like when I was little, I hated food. My parents would always have to force me to eat. 
And my parents always like mm-hmm. wanted me to be tall. So I did a bunch of like crazy stuff. Like I stretched, I jumped rope, I didn't drink coffee and none of those things really worked clearly. I'm still 5'1 and proud. <laughs> yes, 5'1 is a great height. <laughs> I think like growing up in my school district was kind of rough because obviously your height and weight can be like somewhat predetermined by your genes and everyone around me was just so much taller and looked different. It was kind of disheartening that I didn't have natural abs. I wasn't as tall as everyone else. I don't know. I think that's like pretty normal. Yeah, but the demographics of your school, what were they split into? Yeah, back in my time, I think people were mainly white. See, that's why. Yeah, so I'm like, okay, like I'm really short and like none of these bodies like look like mine. Yeah, because the genes are just, you know, different pools. So if you're going to, it's like comparing apples to oranges. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But also, I feel like because you were only surrounded by oranges, then <laughs> it kind of, what is it, warped your self-image because you didn't see many other Asians with similar body types as yours because my school was full of petite, short Asian <laughs> girls, you know? So, so I funny. never felt out of place. But that's funny that you make that observation because I feel like had we switched places, our self-esteem probably would have been so different. Like you would have been like, everyone is like the same as me. Like we're, <laughs> we're all around the same height. I mean, five, four isn't that tall, but. I know, but I it's guess, that's like at the average height. Yeah. And I probably would have been like, oh, okay, cool. I don't need to like try to keep growing taller and doing all these weird stretches I found <laughs> on the internet or like taking weird supplements oh that take disgusting. Wait, I, that is so sad. I can't believe you. <laughs> tried so hard to grow tall I'm so sorry my parents did always say I was really really tall for an Asian girl like they always would be like oh you're so big and tall but they were happy and proud about it right like they were like oh you're so tall I don't know I mean maybe but to me I just heard the word big and was like oh (laughs) like you know you kind of perceive that as like fat or something even though they never specifically said fat but big can kind of be synonymous with that I mean, this is like my views on it now that I'm older. I don't think parents should have any say in how their children's body looks. Like you could say like, oh, you look really healthy or like, oh, you look strong. Like, congrats, you did a mile or like whatever. I don't know, because I feel like either way, if you're like you're skinny, then they're like, okay, being the opposite of skinny is bad. Or if they're like, you're chubby, then if you're like, oh, I need to lose weight. If I were to raise kids, I would try to stay away from things that can be polarizing or that can be perceived as bad. Mm. Not saying that your parents had bad intentions. Right. Clearly, they also mentioned that you were tall. Yeah. And they no. were, you know, and like other good stuff about you. Yeah. And maybe they actually meant that in a positive light. That's definitely a possibility. <laughs> I mean, my younger self would definitely disagree with you, but... Now that I'm older, possibly. And I think it's just part of the Asian culture. They're just very brutally honest. Okay, definitely Vietnam. If I were to go to Vietnam, we would all be considered fat, for sure. Like, not even a question. Just because over there, you know, they're a lot smaller, just because maybe diet restrictions, and they're a little bit more malnourished. So their bodies are definitely a lot smaller. Yeah. So if they compare their bodies to our bodies here in America, where we do have more wealth quote unquote and 
uh, more food, all of that, then our bodies are perceived to be fat. Even though I know in American standards, my body is in no way considered fat. But I think it's just all, it's just all like relative. So it's important to keep that in mind as well. Because being Asian, we're compared to more of the Asian body standards, which is a more petite, smaller body. So even though I know in American standards, I would be considered you know, smaller. You'd be average. Or high, okay, right? average. Yeah. <laughs> Not <Normal>. small. <laughs> <laughs> Which is like great because you are here. <laughs> <laughs> it's like more terrible yeah. for the people that are tiny or petite, Tina. <laughs> See, it's all like self-perception and re- relativity and how you think of it, I guess. And yeah. for me, it's just always been, I was on the bigger end of the spectrum. So my goal was always to be smaller. Whereas you, you were considered petite and small and you wanted to be taller. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to take up more space. <laughs> it's just always the idea of wanting something that you can't have or don't have. Yeah, I agree. So with that being said, though... Do you think that the media has played a role in affecting our perceptions? And what do you think the gold standard is um, in terms of the media's definition? The gold standard is blonde and skinny. The media is detrimental to how we see ourselves because even if we don't believe in those messages, we are still affected by them. What did you think? Yeah, I definitely agree. The media definitely force feeds a certain ideal body image onto the masses. I think nowadays it's more of that hourglass figure, like the Kardashian family. But the Kardashian family, their bodies aren't even real because it's full of plastic surgery anyway. You know, so they're perpetuating this unrealistic body image that they don't even have. But because we still see that in the media, it's hard not to want that or desire that right yeah and I do think in the media there is a lack of representation of different body types so according to my research the body positivity movement was started by marginalized groups and this was due to oppression that they felt that was perpetuated by the media against fat and marginalized groups such as black queer and disabled bodies So that's actually how the body positivity movement was started. However, throughout the years and social media campaigns, the body positivity movement has evolved into advocating for acceptance of your body despite its flaws. So now I've heard that the groups who actually started the body positivity movement, they feel a little excluded from the conversation because they still feel like their bodies are not represented by the media even though there has been a great shift to including more body types. But I think that those body types include more white body types that are only up to like a size 12, whereas more bigger body types who are African-American, their body types are still not included in the conversation. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, so there's like a system of exclusion behind all of this still. Yeah, there's a lot of exclusion. They're like, we're just going to expand a little bit, but not so includes everyone. Exactly. So it's kind of like they think they can get away with that because it's like, oh, yeah, now instead of just 
skinny and white. Yeah. It's like a little bit bigger and white. <laughs> it's like you're not fooling us. Yeah, exactly. Uh, There is improvement, but there's a long way to go still. Yeah. With body positivity, I often see people encouraging the idea of, yeah, you can be like a size 12 and still be healthy. And it's like, first of all, people don't owe society to be healthy. It's not something we owe to anybody. We shouldn't have to be like the only way Mm -hmm. we can be accepted is if we're quote unquote healthy. And there's a lot of different ways to be healthy in different bodies someone could be physically they could look healthy but what about mentally and emotionally and I think that's something that doesn't get talked about the idea of like being body positive and healthy literally should just be accepting bodies as they are yeah I agree and like you said mental and emotional health should be part of the conversation as well so that's why we advocate for therapy yeah okay so then Stav What do you think about BMI and has a doctor ever told you that you needed to lose weight? I think BMI is both racist and sexist. It doesn't take into account muscle composition, which a lot of athletes actually have higher BMIs. BMI is created by a Belgian mathematician. The scale was created in 1832, so that was almost two centuries ago, using data from predominantly European men to measure weight in different populations. That is enraging. Okay, nobody nobody use BMI anymore. Don't use that as some kind of determining value onto your worth because... It's based off of a bunch of white men. It's like pretty messed up. Another thing that's messed up is one time a doctor did tell me to lose weight in high school. She just told me to stop snacking at night. Granted, the doctor was pretty terrible and just mean. And there was a lot of of other problematic things that she said to me and my sister. But I think it's especially bad that the medical community can be out here body shaming Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know how to remedy this, but spreading awareness that don't trust all doctors, especially if they tell you stop snacking at night. <laughs> yes, I will say that when I was younger, everyone kind of looked up to doctors and never questioned them. But throughout my years and just hearing other people's stories, such as like my friends who went to doctors, sometimes they don't always offer the best medically sound advice. Really? You've heard other stories? Yeah. Um, I can't recall the specific details, but it was something like where a lot of the times women, when women report cases of pain, it's not taken as seriously as when men report cases of pain. Um, there's a lot of sexism in the medical industry and also fat shaming in the medical industry because yes. I've read times when if you're fat and you have a health condition or, you know, some kind of illness, they just always automatically, I'm not saying all doctors, obviously, but doctors tend to automatically attribute it to to you being fat, not because, not due to the fact that there can be something actually wrong with you that's not due to you being fat. So I've just heard time and time again of all these cases of sexism or fat shaming, um, also Cases where gynecologists don't want to prescribe birth control because it's against their religion, which to me is just like so, doesn't make any sense. That makes zero sense to me. How are you a gynecologist and you're not going to prescribe birth control? 
Well, it's like, okay, don't they take the Hippocratic Oath? Uh-huh. You're not supposed to do any harm. And by refusing to prescribe birth control, you're actually harming someone. Because, like, what if this person has an unplanned pregnancy? Or, like, what if right. they do it yeah. for acne reasons? And that leads to a lower quality of life for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's just, like, should not be allowed. You should be able to report that to the FDA or something and, like, have them have a four-cause inspection of their facility and see what kind of other things they're doing that I'm sure is, like, not okay. Yeah, I, I I was just like so surprised by that. But I guess I like talked to my I talked to my NP friend and she said that it was like not she didn't say common, but I guess it didn't take her by surprise as much as it took me. Really? Yeah, but anyways, um so I would just say you definitely just like you have to shop for therapists, you definitely have to shop for the right doctor yeah. as well. I and make agree. sure you're on the same page and they're actually competent. A lot of doctors are in it just for the money as well, which I've also seen. And you can tell definitely when doctors are in it just for the money and they don't really care about their patients. It's My friend is in the medical me- medical field and she's in med school right now and she sees that a lot too. And it's just Aww. night and day, the difference between a doctor that cares and a doctor that doesn't. Or a doctor that's evil. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that too. There's clearly great doctors out there. We're just talking about personal experiences. (laughs) Right. The slim minority. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully the slim minority. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, we respect doctors and everything. Yeah. So Tina, how has being around your friends affected your body image? I think I kind of spoke to this a little bit earlier, but again, I think I'm taller than most of my girlfriends. So must be nice. (laughs) that's the thing that's so funny to me because you aspire to being taller whereas I wanted to fit in be shorter be smaller be more petite I always felt like I was like bigger or whatever I think I mean obviously I'm over that now because now that Steph told me being taller is the way to go I'm like oh yeah I I had like (laughs) this, this case then you're living my best case scenario. <laughs> <laughs> right? Perspectives. It's all about perspectives, guys. Yeah. So I think when I was younger, it definitely made me feel a little bit um, like out of place, a little, maybe a little bit. But nowadays, it doesn't matter to me. And I've grown to be more accepting of how of my body and I'm a lot more forgiving to myself. Yeah. yeah. What about you, Steph? I think I just always felt short and I always had to sit in the middle seat whenever we're going somewhere. The middle seat sucks. It's so uncomfortable. Exactly. I'm not going to make my friend who's like 5'7 sit in the middle seat because leg room. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, there was that. So in high school, I got really obsessed with MyFitnessPal, which is a food tracking app. And I was doing it wrong like I would eat two cups of rice and I would say it was like half a cup so like it wasn't even tracking the right (laughs) amount of food I'm sure people do that all the time (laughs) yeah but I remember my two best friends in high school called me out and they were like please stop obsessing over it it's like really annoying and at first I was Mm. kind of offended but then I was like you know what it is really annoying and I don't want to do this anymore (laughs) yeah I mean I did that for a little bit too it's so consuming time consuming but also mind consuming always thinking about your next meal and having to write it down it's just 
it's one thing if you're actually like being able to measure out food and you have the time to research Mm -hmm. and like find food that's like good and nourishing for you but it's like another if you're just like I have to write everything down like I have to keep track I have Mm -hmm. to make sure like my calorie goal is below this number yeah yeah it's definitely not great it wasn't great and it was not worth it for me to spend all my time yeah And then there was a time in college when I was a nutrition major that I actually started to have issues that I didn't really think I had before because when you're in class learning about all the correct diets, I was just like, this is so much. I know what I'm supposed to eat, but I'm not doing that. I remember writing in my evaluation for my professor. I never had body issues, but now I do. And they actually brought in people to talk to us about it and how we see ourselves. And if we were to go to the field as a registered dietitian, how would we make sure we're good if we're counseling someone who's anorexic or bulimic? Yeah. Did you do you have any tips and tricks that you retained? <laughs> from those sessions? I think they were just saying before you go into these sessions, these are things you might hear, but they're lies. You just have to be very clear about how you feel about your own body before you can help someone else. And they said, if that's not a good place for you, then you probably shouldn't do it. You have to know how you feel about your body and be confident in that. Mm -hmm. Because if you're talking to people who might have warped views of their bodies, it can get to you. Oh, definitely. Yeah, it can be contagious, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Tina, how do you define body positivity and what does that mean to you? To me, body positivity is being accepting and inclusive of all body types and learning to love yourself, including all the imperfections that you may perceive and also challenging social norms. I think we are inundated with what media tells us which is, you know, obviously it's hard not to be influenced by that, but we have to surround ourselves in an environment where we're not inundated with one body type so that we can learn to see more body types that are representative of all people, including, you know, different race, different sizes, different genders. And once we can attain a certain level of self-acceptance and love for our bodies and also other people's bodies, then we are able to feel so much more empowered and confident so that we can carry that confidence across so many other different aspects of our lives. And I do think that learning to love our bodies and learning to love ourselves is a very long and difficult journey. But as long Mm -hmm. as we work towards that goal of fostering a more accepting mindset for all body types, including our own, then it's definitely a goal that is attainable. Uh, What about you, Steph? How do you define body positivity and what does that mean to you? Yeah, I love what you said. Acceptance starts from the inside and you can't show love and acceptance towards other bodies until you do that to yourself first. And it just means loving our bodies and taking care of it like we would a loved one. It means positive self-talk and looking at the mirror and liking what we see. And it means doing things that make us feel good about ourselves, whether that means reading, working out, or just taking a break. I also agree that it can feel supernatural to criticize our bodies, but I think we need to go against the tendency. And there's nothing wrong with wanting to improve our fitness capabilities and what we eat. However, we got to start by loving and thanking our body for what it is today. Yes, I love that stuff. I also love how you mentioned doing things that you enjoy to just 
improve your mindset overall, such as reading or engaging in hobbies, so that you're more developed and well-rounded as a person, and you're not just always obsessing over how you look, because the inside definitely counts too. So if we can nurture our mind as well as our bodies, then we're definitely on the right path to more self-acceptance in love. Yeah, I agree. And then what are three affirmations we can say every day slash strategies we can implement to improve our body image, Tina? For this one, I do think that you definitely have to surround yourself in a more positive environment and you can control your environment to a certain extent. So by doing that, you can definitely purge any social media accounts that make you feel bad about your body or about yourself. Mm -hmm. I understand maybe you're following those uh, social influencers because that's maybe a goal you want to attain. But if you're not there at this moment, it may make you feel worse about yourself. So I would say definitely stop following those accounts until you're in a more confident space to be able to look at those bodies and not compare yourself and make yourself feel worse. Another thing is following more body positive influencers. I think one person that's been on the forefront of the body positivity campaign is Jamila Jamil. And lastly, something that Steph already mentioned is instead of focusing so much on what your body looks like, you can focus more on just being a more well-rounded person by developing other hobbies or interests so that we can strive to love ourselves by knowing that we're more than what our bodies are capable of. Okay, so what about you, Steph? Do you have any affirmations or strategies to implement to improve body image? Yeah, I really like what you said about the social media cleanse. I think that's important and that is something we can control on a minor level. We obviously can't control what we see on TV because we're not the casting director, unfortunately. Not yet. Not yet. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And then I just wrote three affirmations that I thought I could start saying. I'm perfect just the way I am. Every day I'm getting stronger and healthier and there's no limit to what my body can do. You can apply that to everything. Something that I want to do with my body is I do want to run a full marathon. That's right. Throwback to episode one. When I ran a half marathon, but I definitely want to do a full marathon within my lifetime. Hopefully it will happen soon. Once COVID is gone, I think it'd be really cool to do one in person. Yeah. No, that's an amazing goal that I would never, ever want to do. But Tina, there's no limit to what your body can do. <laughs> I guess if you don't want to do it, that's okay. Yeah, I agree there are no limits, but also, also, I don't want to. <laughs> and that's okay, Tina. I accept that. Yeah. Okay, so I think that wraps it up for this week's episode. I think what I learned on this episode just by talking with Steph in our conversation is that a lot of things are really relative and you may take things a certain way and you may warp it into something negative when really it doesn't have to be. So with that being said, body positivity is something that everyone should really aspire to, even though it can be difficult in the moment that Once we start learning to love ourselves and accept ourselves, we'll be able to do that for others and foster a more accepting 
society that will encourage more love in the world. You can follow us on our socials at Friend After Five, Steph at Steph Christabel, and me at Tina Honey with two Y's. Don't forget to also leave us a five-star review on your listening platform. Yeah. Bye, guys. Bye.